We're so excited to spend some time with you today on the Awakening Moments podcast. My name is Lori. And I am Rhonda. And it's our hope that you would feel like we are with you wherever you are right now, having a real life conversation about life in all its beauty and in all its mess. We believe that God wants to open our eyes to an awakening moment that will help us thrive in every part of our being. So we invite you on this adventure with us as we listen, learn, and grow together. All right, let's start today with a little Christmas question. Christmas is coming. Yay, love it. And you, well, one of your many roles, Rhonda, I I honestly can't get over what a talented human being you are. Honestly, sometimes I think about it and I'm like, Lord, like how come you can pile so many incredible gifts and talents into one person? (laughs) And then I think of you. No. (laughs) And then I think of your daughter too. And she's the same. You, whatever. Look who's talking. I'm not even going to. No, I don't have a lot of talents. It's okay. And I own that. It's all good. I can't even. Those (laughs) that are listening are probably like, what? No, I actually don't, but it's okay. It's okay. The Lord, (laughs) the Holy Spirit empowers me. And I'm thankful for that. But honestly, gifted. So one of your many talents is worship and worship leading and singing and just lifting. So let's talk about Christmas carols. <gasps> do you like Christmas carols? Oh, I love Christmas carols. You do, even yes. though you've had to for many, many oh, years. So we love Christmas. You and I love Christmas. Okay, so you're, you still love them after love all these them. years. And love even them. though it's part of your work and part of your, okay, good. Because yeah. you know, sometimes when you have to do it for work, it's I know kind of takes the joy out of it. I know. It's I true. love Christmas carols too. I love them so much. I know. And the beautiful thing is when you love them and you do the music, you're listening to them from September all the way to Christmas. So you're in Christmas spirit right away. Like come September. Oh, (laughs) I love that. Okay. so So do you have a favorite? Okay, I do. I have two. Okay. My favorite Christmas carol carol. Yes. Would be O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I love that song. Oh my song. gosh, that one is so beautiful. I know. I love the feel of it. It's got a bit of those minor chords. So it's got this, oh. the ro- I don't want to say haunting, but this yes. this overtone to it that's just so interesting and just kind of sucks you in. I love that. Yes. But you know, and another one of my songs that I love and it's old. It's not a Christmas carol, but Mary, did you know? I find the lyrics of that song always touches me so deeply like like thinking of mary as a mom like mary did you know that your baby boy like the whole and how many artists have done it in different ways i do love that song i do oh so those would be two that's okay i'm having a flashback (laughs) to you i don't even know how old you would have been like maybe like 13 14 15 maybe do you remember that musical that you did where you came out Oh, no. I'm just having I, I don't even remember I already the know whole, what you're gonna you say you do when you came out and you're like Elizabeth I Elizabeth exactly. I've got to tell you okay the funny thing I think I got mocked at you I, for that I, I literally just had a flashback <laughs> when you said Mary did you know because it's I like know. I know all oh, things I did at, in those in that year like those years in the 90s like I look back I'm like, oh my god that was awesome though honestly and oh. as your little bestie I watched you in just on wonder I was oh. like she is amazing oh. she's so beautiful and she sings so beautiful. Oh, I could have listened to it a thousand times. Awesome. Yeah, it was quite something. <laughs> it was great. Oh, I totally remember. I remember there was a Christmas banquet. Manny, who was a good friend of mine, he actually came out with a blonde mop or like a wig mop. I think it was a mop head. No. And he did this skit of Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Like, <gasps> it was a riot. It was like a Saturday Night Live skit. Okay, it was so funny. It is so because funny. Because it was such a cheesy, like, 
exactly you said i remember a kid, like a musical <laughs> i was like i know exactly what scene because my brothers would mock me so bad at home it became the running joke which is so funny now like i love it i loved it back then too i thought it was so funny but man talk about cheese cheesy cheesy i need to find a clip of it somewhere it's hilarious it's somewhere i'm sure someone videoed it somewhere oh but my, my dad God. has an old vhs i would love tape. to i would i would have so much joy watching <laughs> that if he found that so but it exactly sounded like that it did yeah elizabeth, elizabeth i must tell elizabeth that i'm running around the stage in this cantata <laughs> oh gosh like peeking around all the bushes and pretending i'm traveling to oh gosh Anyway, all that to say, oh, awesome times. So, but so funny. yeah, how about you? Odie? Yes, yes, of course. Obviously, it's the one and the only Oh Holy Night oh. is my favorite Christmas carol. And when I sing it, I belt it at the top oh. of my lungs. And when, I, when I'm in the car, especially, I will blare the music so loud that I can't hear myself. I can't hear the sound of my voice so that I can sing as loud as I want so much so that my throat gets sore I get a oh sore throat oh my and maybe even a, a bit of a headache because I'm like not breathing enough. you're like giving it oh no I am breathing <laughs> oh I am I am in Lord. it and just loving it if you drove past me you'd be like oh my gosh that girl's having so much fun that is awesome. <laughs> I but if that it. is an epic epic song oh my gosh every verse the whole thing i just love it oh yeah. it's so dramatic it's so beautiful the words are spectacular oh, amazing i love it i love it and yeah. i love that we do it every christmas eve we have to oh, yeah. it's tradition oh i love it so there's much there's certain songs that if yeah. it doesn't happen on christmas eve there it's like oh holy night and silent night yes those yes. two don't happen at some point yes. you feel it you're kind of like wait a minute oh this didn't feel like christmas eve yet yes yeah. oh that's so beautiful okay. that's so beautiful well that is fun that is so fun thank you for answering that i thought today we could talk a little bit about you know what it means to belong to the family of god like you know we talk about we we say that word often you know even i was just literally thinking about it while we were in church and thinking about how we invite people we say hello family welcome to the family or you know just address people as brothers and sisters and you know this is not made up language this is language that we get from the scriptures you know because when we receive christ it's an invitation to be a part of god's family um, you know, as all belonging to God, as all being children of God, all created in the image of God, every single one of us, um, we're brothers and sisters. But when we receive Christ and have a revelation of who Christ is, you know, all of a sudden we're a part of this extended family, you know, this eternal family, really, that's so, so beautiful, given a rich, rich inheritance of eternity and a future glory. And, and so all of this sort of language and imagery is so beautiful, yet in a day like today, you know, when the brokenness of the world is just so prevalent and the brokenness in families is so prevalent, I, I think it's can be a difficult concept even to, to understand, like, what does that actually mean? What does that actually mean? You know, we all come from a family of origin. We didn't choose that family. You know, we were born into a family. And for some, those families are amazing. And for others, those families are completely dysfunctional and maybe even where there's no relationship because of unhealth or brokenness. Um, you know, there's the full gamut of both sides. Of course, I want to acknowledge that even in the amazing families, 
there is dysfunction. There's dysfunction in every family. Yes, yes. There's brokenness in every family, even if it looks perfect on the outside. And even if it looks like the kind of family you wish you had, every family has, um, you know, its challenges within it. Because I think challenge is a part of family. So there's even that dynamic um, when it comes to being a part of the family of God. So that's really what I want to open the conversation in um, today and just talk about, you know, what does it mean to be a part of the family of God? What does it not mean to be a part of the family of God? And uh, yeah. I know. And it's really interesting in the spiritual context of like the family of God and then you're tangibly walking out life with the family of God. So we're part of a bigger picture of the family of God that those that have gone before the saint, you think of all of it, like we're part of the eternal family that will one day see the multitudes upon multitudes of brothers and sisters in Christ that have believed that we're all together as sons and daughters adopted into the big kingdom. We'll see it one day with our eyes from the beginning of time. To the end of time, all of those that have decided to follow Jesus, but that have gone before us. But there is the walking out of the tangible family of God here on earth. That is not the perfect one that will be, but that will be perfected in heaven where we are made new. We are like Christ, fully redeemed, fully whole, fully like him in all ways, like redeemed. But here on earth, it is an interesting mix because the beautiful thing when you come into church your title stays at the door. You're not coming in as so-and-so with a title like over your business door. We've got doctors, we've got teachers, we've got stay-at-home moms. We have people from really struggling economic backgrounds from those that are extremely wealthy. You've got every gamut. You just name it. We all come in and we lay that all down and we're brothers and sisters. But with that, there's very different mixes of philosophy, understanding life experiences, and you bring all that into a mix and you're trying to do life together. But the beautiful thing is it's not easy. And I think that's the truth of it. It's not easy. It's like when you become a Christian, it doesn't mean like all of a sudden this is just going to be the most easy road. No, it is hard. And it's actually hard to stay connected to a church because offense can get in. We have expectations on people, expectations on leadership, expectations that we bring in with us that we have to kind of rumble through as we walk life out. And so I think it's easy to choose to not be connected. And especially now, if I could be really honest, I don't think ever before have I seen such a draw for people just to be connected to virtual church because we had the pandemic where now people were able to watch, I'm just using this as an example, Elevation, Hillsong, these big massive churches online because their little home church wasn't able to or our home churches were, but we were all watching online. So you're able to choose these huge international churches, but you're not doing life with these people. You're watching and receiving, but you're not fleshing out real life with people. You're not also giving and exchanging. You're receiving, but not giving. You're not giving your time. You're not giving your treasure. Well, maybe you're giving your treasure, but the treasure of even your time and your servanthood, your gifting, the treasure of your gifting, not just money. So you're not actually doing that. It's not real. It's a virtual church that is definitely imparting and bringing life, but it's not really how God meant it to be the optimal way of walking out life. Because all through the Bible, we see companionship is what God did right in Genesis. He walked with man 
man in the cool of the day. He came down. Like, I just find that right from the beginning, he was with us, walking with us. Jesus, when he came, he chose 12 disciples to do life with. And from that, you look at Acts, home churches, how everything blossomed from community, from living in community. And so no way am I saying we're God, we're like God or Jesus, but that's the example they set to say, this is how we do. That's his heart that we would be like a family. But with that come lots of challenges. Lots. And that's the truth. Lots of imperfections Lots. along the way, for sure. I love that. Um, I think, you know, so when we become, when we receive Christ, you know, we're first introduced to the larger family of God. And this is a spiritual inheritance. This is something that we're given as a gift, yes. as a spiritual inheritance. And that's an automatic. And that's like, that doesn't have anything to do with belonging to a physical church specifically. So that's like, but it's like step one of I think so many steps, so many invitations into the full expression of what Jesus is inviting us into. I mean, we're called the literal bride of Christ, the church itself, the people of the church are the bride of Christ, the the one in whom Jesus loves so much, the one in whom God loves so much he sent his son for and is redeeming and will redeem in the end for all of eternity. So we're a part of this beautiful grand unfolding, this grand purpose. And the first step is to receive Jesus. And that's the the first um, invitation into belonging to this family. But the second part is, you know, the instruction of where we see in the scriptures, you know, um, those like Paul who are again inviting us into the larger now family and community of faith of brothers and sisters and how we flesh that out. So that's what you're talking about here. And that's what we're talking about. What does that look like? And, you know, I think at a base level, I think it's really, really important to acknowledge that when we um, start attending a church, when we when we join a church or start attending a church or start receiving, you know, from a church, receiving spiritual guidance, receiving instruction um, from a church, from a pastor, you know, there is something spiritual and supernatural that we're connecting to. Even if you don't know any people who are a part of, you know, that church yet, there's, there's something spiritual that you're connecting to when you say, okay, something in my spirit resonates with, you know, this pastor or these leaders and how they're leading and how they're teaching. And I, I want to submit myself to receiving from them and learning from them. Not that they're perfect. They're very flawed human beings as well. And they're not going to get it right 100% of the time. But there is a beautiful exchange that's happening, a supernatural and a spiritual exchange to be able to say, you know, I want to submit myself to the spiritual guidance and the learning and the teaching of, you know, these leaders that God has established in this particular church. So we can talk about it in our church context. You know, we're a part of a church called Life Center and that church we're pastors as well in in this church so this is our church context but but again i i cannot like i i do not take for granted that beautiful gift that people give us as pastors and leaders to say like i am trusting you with my spiritual 
um, development with my spiritual formation. I am submitting to, you know, your, your guidance and your teaching. I don't take that for granted. It's a beautiful, it's such an honor and such a beautiful, beautiful things, but that's like only level one. So this is when you start attending a church and, you know, you come on Sundays or you connect online and you're receiving from the teaching. That's just, again, the first layer of being a part of this family. But you're still a part of that family. You're still a part of the family if, you know, you're receiving this. If you're posturing yourself in this way, you're still a part of the family. But there's even deeper levels of connectedness and intimacy and community that we're meant to move from. But that's kind of level one. One more thing I want to just say about that is a number of years ago, um, a friends of ours moved to China to be missionaries. They were a part of our church family for a long time um, before that and then went to China. And when they came back to visit a number of years later, they, you know, kind of just with tears in their eyes, kind of grabbed, you know, grabbed me and said, like, we didn't realize how important it was for us to belong to a church and to be under a pastor and a leader. We didn't realize how comforting that was, how much stability that brought to our lives, how much security that brought to our lives, just being a part of a church community and submitted under a pastorship and a leadership. Because when they went to China, they didn't have that. And so they re- they were walking out their faith in a completely different way without that, in, uh, that covering, uh, so to speak, in their lives. And I think it wasn't until that moment that I realized how actually important this is. Again, it's something we kind of take for granted, especially if we've grown up in a church context and then just continue in our adult life to live out church community in our in our family life. We kind of take it for granted, but we don't realize what a gift it really is and how important it really is to our spiritual development and becoming more like Jesus. So I think that's just step one in the family uh, context and what that means. I love that. And I think even as you're building on that, that's such a profound story. It is such an honor. It is true. When you walk in that and you have that, you don't realize how much of a security and how much of just that belonging, that part that plays, that belonging to some to a greater purpose and a greater group of people that have you, that love you, that want to be there, that if you have to pray for, if you need something, they're there to pray with you, to help you you take that for granted like when you've grown up that's exactly what you're saying because I was thinking another portion I just want to touch on is one of the gifts I would say my parents have given me many gifts in faith absolutely like a treasure chest full but one would be stability now we grew up in a church was it perfect no and you know it wasn't doctrinally off but that's really important too you got to make sure you're part of a church that's doctrinally sound but was every you know, everything perfect? No. Was every pastor where well, you're like, they're the best preacher in, in the world? No, but they preached the gospel, <laughs> whether the style was what you liked or not. They preached the gospel. There was a community built. But I want to say like my parents stayed through many transitions. We had numerous different senior pastors, but they stayed true because of the community and they stayed plugged in serving. My parents, that's all I remember is I'm serving. Like I remember them going to church, but always being a part of the church, part of life groups. We didn't call them life groups back then. They were like small groups or mom's groups. It was different names for them, but 
really plugged in. They taught us when we were little, we always were involved in the church. You and I can remember like kids church. We were helping with the little mini kids church. I think of Sunday school. We all volunteered. We did all of these things. All that to say the stability my parents brought versus going to the next shiny new church or going to, you know, the next thing when there was a transition, they stayed true because of the community. They held fast. They were there and they were really pillars. A lot of people looked up to my family, my parents in particular, yours as well, and uh, served on the board, served in different ways. And I want to say, you know, that built something into me that when I, I came to Life Center, it was like, this is my family. Like, it's like a thin, unless something crazy doctrinally happens, this is it. Like, we're here not just for the flash. We're here to put our roots in and to grow as a family together. And it is a choice you make. It's an intentional choice to say, I'm putting my roots in. And I'm putting my roots in, meaning if there is conflict, I'm willing to stay the course. I'm willing to work it out, not pull up and take off. Because guess what? You're taking yourself with you with all the bitter roots that you just pulled up versus I'm going to plant myself here. I'm going to work through conflict. I'm going to work through problems. I'm going to work through personality differences. I'm going to find my space. I'm going to serve. I'm going to realize that Jesus is the only one that can fill the fullness of relational needs in my life. Like he is, but through the expression of the body of Christ, I'm going to trust him to bring into my life people that will do life with me. And it's not going to be easy and you're going to be disappointed, but there's also going to be amazing, amazing fruit too. It's not just the bad. There's amazing fruitfulness. And I have to say in the years of ministry, I've watched people pick up and leave and transition and transition and transition. Very few of them are established in a church to this day. Very few of them have the roots. But I think back to my kids and I think like they, this is their home and there is something that happens, the security that happens, it's like I have a church home. So those listening, I want to encourage you. You may be facing, well, I want to speak to this first. You may be going through a conflict. It could be a relational conflict. It could be even a personal conflict where you're struggling with, I don't feel like I belong. I don't feel like I'm wanted. I don't feel like, or I've been disappointed or, you know, so-and-so said they would do something or this pastor has, you know, let me down or whatever. You just fill in the blank. We've all got stuff. Fill in the blank. I want to encourage you, keep your roots in, work it through, work it through, allow the Lord to use this to rumble out things in your life and to be able to be accountable, to be able to be honest, to be able to be come forward with it, to be able to work it out when you're ready, but to say, I need to let go because we can get into situations where we feel like we're owed things, where we kind of keep a list. And I'm, I'm speaking about this. I'm going through a great book. If any of you are looking for a good new read, it's an older book, but it's by Andy Stanley called um, Enemies of the Heart. It's so powerful because God uses community as well and uses family. He uses all of it to actually rumble things out of our heart to become more like him. He uses things to get out of us offense, bitterness, where we feel owed, expectation, all of these things that are perhaps not even that person that's doing it now. Yes, they may be causing some of those things to come to the surface, but you know what? There's probably a lot of stuff under there that that person is pretty much just shaking the glass and that's what's coming over. It's not just that situation. God uses community to rub, to sharpen, to challenge, and to smooth out of us those areas that need to be kind of grown out. And so I want to encourage you, put your roots in, like make an intentional decision to say, I'm not just going to go pull up and leave because it's hard, but to say, because it's hard, I'm going to dig down and 
there may be a time it's time to go. We're not saying because you're a part of a church, you, you sign on the dotted line, it's for life, but you don't want to leave when it's hard, when it's the roots are bitter or it's because of offense. Work it out that when you do leave, it's left, you're leaving to give, like you're leaving with a blessing, you're leaving with life because you're going to carry that into the next season, into the next church. And I've seen this and I've seen this in my own life. I've seen it because all of that that you leave with, you are now starting the next season with. So work it out. Work it out. Oh, that's a, a powerful, powerful exhortation. And all I could think of while you were sharing that is, you know, there's so much in our life that we don't have control of. And even when we think of our, um, you know, orig- our family of origin and the things that happen, things that shake down, the challenges that come in in those family units, even sometimes marriages falling apart, even and things, but things that are happening that are outside of our control that we we absolutely would not have chosen, but they have happened. You know, in the midst of all of that shifting and all of that changing, and even some of those spaces that that we might say, oh, that should have never, that relationship should have never fallen apart. My, you know, the relationship with my mom that is severed, or the relationship with my daughter or my son that is severed, that should never have happened. Yes, and it's true; those things should never have happened, but they do because people are people, and there's brokenness in the world, and. Yet, in the midst of that, we can make a decision to root into a church family and a church community, and that does not have to be part of the constant shifting and the constant changing. Yes, is there going to be brokenness? Yes, absolutely. But I love that exhortation just to push through the pain of that because it's worth it and because there is not that much in our lives that is within our control. But this is one thing that is, we can make a decision. We can say, I am going to show up, you know, for me, for my spiritual development, but I'm going to also show up for my family, you know, for my kids, I'm going to set an example, um, for my, for my kids and for my family and show them how being a part of a church community is a benefit to my entire life, to every part of my life. You know, I've been in awe too, as I've been reading through the Psalms, um, of how much, there is this focus on the blessing on God's people. So a blessing that comes from belonging to the family of God, but yet the blessing is for a singular purpose. It's that so the rest of the world who doesn't know God would know this God that we serve. The blessing isn't for us. The blessing isn't just so we can have more things and that our lives can be so wonderful in everything. The blessing that comes from belonging to the family of God is so that people that don't know him can see a different way, can see a light. We are the bearers of Christ's light to the world. And this is the expression of that. So again, in the midst of all the brokenness and all the instability of the world, if we can anchor, literally anchor to a body to an expression of the body of Christ in a church family, in a church community, it really can make such a difference in the totality of, you know, our purpose and our life. So I just want to add that piece. Now, one of the questions I had that I thought would be interesting for us to talk through, what do you think is, and maybe there's, there's probably multiple answers to this question, but what do you think is an appropriate um, type of relationship that a church member or a church, you know, person who's a part of a church family should have with their pastor. 
Like what are appropriate expectations for church members with their pastor? Because, and the reason I'm asking this question is because I actually have seen and walked out some different situations where, um, you know, pastors have not met the expectation of the church member. Right. And so there's been disappointment. Um, They've been hurt by a pastor. They've been let down by a pastor. You know, we use this language like family, but what does that actually mean in context to a church um, attender's relationship with their pastor? Um, And I think we can only talk about this in the context of our church family. So like our church would be on the larger side of churches, but there are churches that are even so much larger than our church, like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. But we would be on the side of, you know, a larger church with a couple thousand people that we would be leading and, you know, walking with. And so what would be, what would be some healthy expectations that people could or should walk with in terms of their personal relationship with their pastor? Ooh, that's a really good question because you've got the answer, but you also have the heart answer. Yeah. Like the honest truth, I think of, well, I'm speaking for myself as a pastor, so I can't speak from everyone else. Okay. There's some principles I can, but for my heart is like, I would be best friends with everybody. Like I want them to feel that. I do. I I don't like letting people down. I I actually, it really is a hard thing. And it actually is really. But you can't be best friends with everyone. You can't. Uh, That's what I mean. You can't. (laughs) And like, truth be told, people don't believe this. I am more of an introvert than people understand. Like I actually can only so handle. Like, so you're like, I want to be your best friend, but go home. <laughs> yeah. Go home, I, please. I, like, yeah, Sundays I go home. I'm like, I need a nap. Oh, people don't believe that. They yeah. actually think I am so extroverted, but yeah. my disposition is, but I recharge in a lot of silence. Like I need recharging. I love to listen to God. I need that. But I love people. Like, so I have both those things working, but my heart is that everyone would feel like I love them. I see them. I want to help them. But I also know when you're stewarding a church this large, it's impossible. And it is also a journey of leadership that is very challenging where you have to you have to walk authentically, absolutely, but you're also walking in a way to guide and lead. And so you carry that, those fine lines. It's a constant, not a balancing act, but those tensions are always working together that you don't walk in such a place of leadership that you isolate yourself because you, it is a risk to let people in too. Like that's to be very truthful. If I was to be very truthful, you're a leader. And when people get let in closer, they see more and more of your humanity, which is really important. We should be authentic. But there is a fine line where we have to also, we're leading people and people can't always be that confidential space for, they can't be that confidential space for us where we need places to go, leaders to lean on, to be able to pray with us that are not leading in the same capacity. That makes all sense. There is those things that work together though because we want to be authentic, but we also have to really weigh out what we're walking through and with who and how, because we are responsible to lead and to guide with the grace of God, not because we're better at all. It's because it's a call and it's part of what it is. But I also don't want to be a leader that becomes so isolated that I don't have close friends and I don't have all of those things. But there is, it's not a black and white answer. It's kind of a working out in progress. But there is areas of my life to be very honest as a, as a pastor that close friends from the church would not know those areas I go somewhere else with because that's just wisdom. We have to use the wisdom and discernment 
because we're walking through things as leadership that not everyone understands in the same way, not because they don't want to. It's just that's not something we want to put on people or that's not their place in our lives to walk that through. Now, that might be 5%, 95%. I love to have fun. I love to spiritually get right in there with people. And to be honest, I'm in a life group. That's not, a, I'm in a leadership life group. I'm also in a women's life group that is all walks of life, all different denominations, different understanding of faith, you know, of Jesus, like big baby, baby beginner to mature. And I love that fleshy authentic, but I definitely, I choose what I share there. I let them into a part of my heart, but not into the fullness of it. I don't even know if that any of that made sense. I kind of rambled through that whole thing. <laughs> and that just shows the complexity of it. Yes. Because there is a complexity to it. Yeah. And a lot of discernment needed, but also a way of walking in community that we desperately need too. Yeah. And to keep us in the grassroots in community yeah. as well. I, I loved how you shared that because I think it shows actually the wrestle of the human heart. I think you just gave us a little glimpse into the wrestle of your own heart, but it's the wrestle of the human heart to um, desire genuine connection with people, but to uh, have to navigate where to find that genuine connection and friendship. And, you know, to belong as a part of the family of a church, of, to be to be in a church family and to be a part of that church family does not necessarily mean that you're going to be best friends with everybody. Yes. It, it doesn't. That That isn't actually what it means. And I think if you think about it, like almost like in your everyday life, you know, the people that you choose to have as your closest friends, you, you, if you have any, if you're blessed to have any, you probably have one or two. People don't have, you know, 20 best friends. You have one yeah. or two confidants, you know, usually in your lifetime, if you're blessed to even have one. A lot of people struggle to find that one person. And I get that because it's hard and vulnerable and painful. And, you know, we've been hurt. So, so I understand that. But your family is usually not that person. <laughs> Your 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 family of origin is usually not that person. That's usually someone you choose outside of your family. And so again, our hope would be as pastors who lead a church family that you would find your best friend at church. And we would love that, you know, everyone would have a best friend, a, a confidant, a, another member of the church body that is that you would call just your closest friend. But it is most likely that's probably not going to be your pastor. Yeah. Your pastor, again, because of the responsibility to steward the spiritual lives of multiple people. And again, this really does apply for almost any size church, because even if you're leading a church of 50, you can't be best friends with those 50 people. If you're leading a church of 100, you cannot be best friends with all of those 100 people. And in fact, I actually think the role of a pastor is very different than a friend. Um, it's not, it's actually not a friend, uh, the role of a pastor, because if, if we, if we go into the sphere of friendship, it actually gets much more difficult to have objective, um, an objective view of leading you spiritually. When, you know, when I'm talking to my best friend, Very well said. I yeah. love them so much. And it's a little bit harder for me to be objective about, you know, when I just need to call 
out whatever is. And I don't mean like in a corrective, in a rude or anything, but I just mean just to be able to see their situation because I get pulled right into their situation. I get pulled into their side of the situation. I'm on their side. I'm on their team. You know, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. I, I, I fully have their back. But as a pastor, like we've got to go, it's the word of God is our yeah. plumb line. Yeah. And so anytime that we're sitting with somebody as part of the family, and they are, they're part of the family, but our role in that relationship is to be able to bring spiritual guidance from the word of God to any situation and not to kind of get mixed up in, I'm on your side and I've got your back, you know, like a friend, like a friend would. So I think the expectation, you know, if if any of you that are listening have ever sort of felt that disappointment or that disillusionment of like, I don't have a friend, I can't find a friend or my pastor's not my friend or I can't seem to get into close relationship with my pastor and that's why I don't belong. That's actually not true. That's never what their role was meant to do. And so I think having those healthy expectations of like what the role of your pastor is, you know, for many of us and even at our church, I know, you know, our lead, um, our, our teaching pastor, Pastor Jason and lead pastor, you know, would do a lot of the teaching on Sunday. So a lot of people who listen to his teaching would feel close to him, know a lot about his life and his stories that he shares on Sunday, but don't have a personal relationship with him. Right. And so there is this very unique, again, relationship that is still a relationship, but it's not like a friendship. So I think, I think that's just important to keep in mind as we think about this idea of family and what it really means, the enemy always wants to get in there and he always wants to lie and say, see, your pastor doesn't really care about you. See, they don't even know that you're going through, you know, this terrible thing. Is that really what family is? And just to sow seeds of disunity and sow seeds of, because the enemy always wants to get you alone. He always wants to isolate you so that he can take you out. And so I just encourage you that if you're struggling with just feeling that sense of belonging or feeling a part of the family, I just, that is not God. That is the enemy. And don't, don't like run in the opposite direction, run towards belonging to church, being a part of it. I actually feel like now more than ever, it is imperative. I actually think the enemy in this season, in particular, as we've come out of this season of isolation, is working overtime to keep us isolated. And there is something coming down the road. I don't know when and I don't know how far, but we're going to need each other. We're going to need each other more than ever. And so stay connected, stay a part of it, even if it is just your decision your decision to show up and to be there. That is enough at the beginning. Mm. But as we've been talking about the different layers, um, and I know this is one that you're really passionate about, Rhonda, is getting connected and serving. So showing up is one step and it is an important one and it is part of what you need to do. And sometimes you just show up for years. But then there is this deeper call to be a part of. So how can someone be an even greater part of the church family and belonging? And I think you just hit on the head. I think serving, there is a showing up that you feel connected, but to belong, I think is when there's ownership. I think that's what kind of happens. I think, yeah, just showing up, you're ownership. connected. Yeah. But when you start to serve, 
there's ownership. Like when you think, if I think back, this is like a terrible example, but if I use back, like my parents owned the house and I lived in it and my room, I was a slob. Okay, this is a terrible example, but I'm just showing this as an example. <laughs> yes, but I can attest to that. <laughs> I lived with you as well. My, oh, between clothes and running a mile a minute. Like it was, I shoved everything in my closet under my bed. Yeah, you were very patient. I, you're not a slob now. No, I can say that. But I have to say, like my in parents. In fact, you're a very clean person. Extremely. <laughs> yeah, now I am. But okay, this is probably the worst. I don't even know why I'm sharing this example. But my <laughs> thought was, as soon as I own something, yeah. there was a different understanding of just how things work. Care. A greater appreciation, a greater responsibility, a greater care. And I'm not sh- saying I was destructive or I didn't care. But my house is my house and I loved going and I lived there. I was so thankful. But when I started to own something, there is a different perspective that comes it just does a responsibility that comes with ownership and I think the same thing can happen in a church in a much more basic level you can show up and leave not really even knowing the work that goes into services all of the people needed all that's given all of the hours to bless you not and it's never to make you feel guilty this is not a guilt talk but it's just like you don't know because you're you just show up you go you leave you go home when you're actually a part of it and you see the blood, sweat, and tears that go in, you see the gifts that people bring and the gratitude and you see the connectivity and the ownership that happens with everyone else who's owning, the joy collectively that comes with that, that there's this like belonging, a deeper sense of a belonging. you be like, you're in this like I am in this. Like we're kind of all in, like our skin is now in the game. Like we're in, we're on the field. We're not really like watching a participant we're participating in this now, like we're on the field, we're owning this, we're actually carrying part of the responsibility, part of the mortgage in the sense of the weightiness of the, what the kingdom of God is doing. We're in it now, we're in it. I think that's what happens. It's a different belonging. It's a different connectivity you have with people that is different when you just come and show up. And you know what, if you just show up, it's really hard to build the type of depth of relationship that happens when you are actually in the game when you're, and I'm talking about not just even serving on a Sunday, but serving by getting involved in a life group and serving things together by serving your life group members together. And it may not be on a Sunday. It may be now you're ministering to one another. You're making a meal for that new mom. You're someone's sick on your life group and you're going above and beyond to help and to be above yourself of what's just easy. And I mean that there gets to be a point where you have to choose and even those that have shown up, I'm, I'm being very transparent, that have shown up here and there through the years, they're not, they don't have a sense of belonging here. They love to come, but they're not overly, they don't invested. invested. And I think that comes with some like heartache for me. When I look at that, I think you have no idea what you're missing. And some of the deep relationships have come through serving, of doing life together, of being in the game together. I love like, I know I use the house example, but it's really like getting on the field from being from the spectator to being in the field and playing the game together. And I think there is those moments when you're spectating, you need to, you need to grow. I'm not saying the first thing you do, but there is a really important time that you have to cross over to really grow to that next place and to have that sense. And so that would be my thing. I am so passionate about it because I see what happens. I see what happened in my own life. I saw it through my parents. I saw the depth of relationships they carry even today from serving, from them serving together, being involved together. Our friendship came from our parents attending a class, but serving together 
and doing life together. You and I running the the Sunday school class at night in night yes. church. You yes. and I were upstairs with all the kids. With all Do of you our remember kids? that? Yes. Like for years we did that. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Serving mm-hmm. young and there there's an ownership yeah. that came young to us. Yes. And it was something we never even really recognized until no. now. No. I realized, oh, that's where a lot of my close friendships came. That's where the sense of belonging. If I can just speak to one thing to one friendship is I'm just kind of tying out yep. like a little bit yeah. of what you just talked about is, you know, oftentimes we can look for that one best friend. But if we almost look like every single person that we feel connected to or belonging with adds something to our life, Jesus fills all that we need. But sometimes there's that, that one friend that is for this, another friend for that, another friend for this. Some are very blessed to find one friend that kind of can fill a lot of those spaces in our life. But there was many seasons in my life that it was one friend here, another friend here. I did music with this one friend. I did like sports with another friend I did but I connected to them in different ways and I treasured them all and collectively all of those friendships built a deep belonging in my life so for some of you it might just have to take that lens off of like looking for that one person to fill all of those things just look at your life and think oh my goodness I might actually have all those things happening just maybe not just through one friendship and that's okay that's okay it can look like that I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. That is a beautiful perspective. I think there is a lot of pressure, right? To feel like you have to have the one best friend. And if you don't, like somehow you're like you're missing out in something in life. But no, it's true. Like all the relationships in our life do salt and pepper in a beautiful way for the different things that we need in the different seasons. But it is true. Like ultimately, like Jesus wants to be that that one space that fulfills us. And then all the other people in our life are really just a blessing. Like it's not, it doesn't come out of a need, like a a need that is not being met. It comes from just an added blessing, an added bonus to an already fulfilled life space. So Jesus really does want to fill that space that a best friend is meant to fill. And then all the other people just, that's beautiful. Thank you for that perspective. I love that. Yeah. I love that. That's really, really good. Um, Okay, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> what was I gonna say? I'm gonna have to do. We'll have to do a break. I'm gonna have to remember that. I have to do a pause. Um, what was I gonna say? There was. Uh, it was about being connected. It was about no, serving. There was a side, uh, like the next kind of topic I wanted to bring up from the conversation. Um, we're talking about serving, and then okay, I'll I'll just. You know, I do think it does take some intentionality, though. You know, uh, serving is a part of it, but no relationships are developed without intentionality. And Mm -hmm. so, like, even if you decide to join a, a team in the church, you know, it's not specifically the task or the role that you're doing, but there's you do it with an intentionality to connect with the other people doing that same role, to connect with the people who you're serving, whether it's like a part of a check-in team or a greeting team or serving in our kids' ministry. Like it's to connect with the parents, ask what their names are, you know, welcome them by name. Like relationship does not happen without being intentional. That's so good. And so I think as a part of belonging to the family and really like wanting to feel that connectedness, 
we have to be intentional about that, not only to cultivate that for ourselves, but to be cultivating that for other people. And that's how the community is strengthened. You know, the other thing where there needs to be intentionality is when you're a part of a large church like ours is in letting other people know when you need help. Yes. Like letting other people know when you're going through something, maybe you're awaiting a diagnosis and you want prayer. Let someone know, talk to someone on the prayer team, talk to one of the pastors, let them know. Like the the community itself is designed to support you through the things in life that you're going through. Now, support may not be able to be absolutely everything you need, but it is meant to be an aspect, particularly around the spiritual side of being able to walk with you in and carry one another's burdens. That's that's part of, I think, the beautiful aspect of family that this community is meant to be. But if we never ask and if we never reach out and if we never again, are intentional to invite people into that space. They're not meant to fill everything. Jesus truly, truly is, but they are meant to come alongside and be a part of walking with you through difficult times. So I know you, I know myself, you know, all of us as pastors, often we have people that will reach out to us and they'll say, hey, can I meet with you? I'm going through something really difficult. I'd like to talk with you about that. We love to be here Mm -hmm. for those kinds of things. We love to walk with people Mm -hmm. through, and we do through the most difficult parts of their life. And the part that we're able to bring is belonging again to this family is that supportiveness in prayer, scripture, encouragement, walking alongside, and then checking in. How are you doing? How is this going? And so, the intentionality is really, really important, especially if you're a part of a large community. And again, some of our pastors and some of the leaders in the church and some of the members of the church are going to be naturally better at this than other ones. Some of them, this comes very natural to them to connect back and check in and, you know, be very, very pastoral for others, even who are called pastors. They're not as pastoral naturally. So the intentionality for you to check back and say, hey, here's how I'm doing. Here's an update. It it means so much to us and so much to the community. We just, we, we value it so much because we value every single one of you and we value what's going on in your life and we want to know and we want to walk through life with you. So I love that part too. And I think that's such a beautiful part of being family together. It is. And I think as we're even wrapping up some of these thoughts that we had, as we're just kind of rumbling out what this looks like, you know, we do encourage you to get connected. Yes, we as pastoral staff are here. Oh my gosh, I love that. And for you to let us know what you're going through and also updates. We love that because it's true. We are just one person and that's the reality of it. When you're managing and you're switching hats, many hats in a day, our heart breaks when we do miss something because that's not the intent, but it does happen. And so for you to help us in that way to keep us connected to you is so vital. We also want to say we are just a pastoral team. They, we have life groups for the other reason is that we can't do the ins and outs of life with of you. All of it. Exactly. Yeah. That you do need to get connected to a group of community, a, a group that is from the, like, the crowd to the core, kind of moving. If you picture it like that, like we're here for the crowd, we're here to all support you, but 
you've got to move to a core group at some point that is really going to be able to do life with you. And finding that right fit can be a challenge. Let's be truthful about it. You might go to a life group, be like, Oop, that's not the right fit for me. And that's okay. Sometimes you have to kind of move around and find the right spot. But once again, I think the whole conversation today is about intentionality. It's about being intentional. Intentional to say, I'm going to, I'm going to find not just connect, I'm going to belong yeah. and I'm going to own my part of this journey of letting people in, of not waiting for people just to do things for me and get offended or hurt, but to say, okay, I need to trust. And this might be a breakthrough moment here for some of you, but to trust that the heart for you is good, that God's heart for you is good. Sometimes that goes to the deepest level that we don't even believe God cares about us. And so all of a sudden somebody does something and right away that just feeds into this lie that God is not actually good. He doesn't I'm being punished or he doesn't care. And so now this person, oh, and look, this person doesn't care. Really, if that is flaring up in you like that constantly, I just want to encourage you. There might be a deeper, deep. there most likely is a deeper issue that you may deep down not even think God cares about you. And this just reinforces that lie. If you could today just say, God, show me how much you love me, that you are a good, good father, that you don't withhold things from me that are good for me, that you love me. In a broken world, you are perfect and good. This is not you. This is, you are good. This world is broken. It's not you doing this. This world is what it is, but in the midst of it, you are good. You are faithful. Show me the, give me the discernment to see the two. Show me the differences of the two. And so in community, may that also be something that God brings a fresh revelation to say, may you help me to believe the best. Help me to believe the best. And even when it is hard to intentionally choose that I am going to see goodness through this and I'm going to work it out. I'm going to work it out. And I think that plays into expectations right there. Yeah. I love yeah. that. That was such a good exhortation. I, I know that's touching somebody right now, but I think it does play into our expectations. You know, in, in intentionality, we want you to ask, we want you to put yourself out there, but do it without expectation. Yes. Because the bottom line is that, yes, you may get your answer, but maybe you won't. And that's not necessarily because God doesn't love you. That's not necessarily because that person doesn't love you. That's not necessarily because you don't belong to the community. None of those things are the truth behind why you maybe don't get what you're looking for. But if you ask without expectation, then what you actually do is you free whomever in the community up to be able to bless you, like God to bless you through them without expectation. And so like uh, some of the funny even things that have happened over the years, like the types of requests that have come in, like the varied requests, like I've had people call and say, um, you know, can I, my car broke down? Like, and it's just like ch people who attend the church, like my car broke down. Can you drive two hours to come and pick me up? Or, um, you know, I'm moving tomorrow. Can, can you help me? <laughs> You know, you know, or like, or can you find a team to help me move tomorrow? And you're like, well, um, oh, I, I think this is someone's yeah. job, <laughs> you know, or yeah. Yeah. like, can you do mediation for my divorce? You're like, oh, um, wow. Yeah. I think that's a, that's like yes. a profession that people go to school for a long time for, you know, I mean, the kinds of requests and environments and varied, like, I mean, 
so extreme types of scenarios, eh, Rhonda, that we oh, get invited so into. So many. Yes. It's yes. it's wild. But you know what? At the end of the day, and again, these kinds of requests for the first half of my ministry time used to be this massive weight of pressure on my shoulders. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, if I don't do this, like I'm going to so disappoint this person. I'm going to hurt them. I'm going, you know, like I have to find a way. And I'd feel this like great weight, like this weight on my shoulder. And I realize, like in this kind of second leg of ministry life that I've done, I realize no, like someone else's, like even someone else's crisis isn't necessarily mine to pick up. Yes. But I can walk alongside them. But I might have an answer. There might have been somebody. I've literally had situations like this. You know, people will email me and say, I just moved into a place I have no furniture. And the day before, someone else emailed me and said, I'm moving and I have all this extra furniture if you know of anybody. So again, like, you don't know. I might have, God have maybe <laughs> made a connection, right? And I might be able to, to give you that answer. But the un- answer also might be no. <laughs> Yes. I might not yes. be able to help or have a connection for, yeah. right? And I, I say I, but I, I mean we, like we, the body of Christ, you, anybody who's, re- when we're reaching out to people, you don't know, they may have the answer, but they may not have the answer. Yeah. And we can't place all of our hope and expectation in that person, but we really have to trust, like God does take care of us and he's going to take care of us. So if we can ask without expectation, then both that's, best for our own heart but also for the other person it releases the other person to be able to be a blessing but also if they don't have the answer they don't have the answer you know I, i can't i can't even say how many times people email us to looking for work like they're out of work and they want to know if we have a connection for them to find a job. And I'm like, again, this is a profession. Like people do this professionally, but it's a funny, yes. like, it's just a funny thing because it really is this mixed bag of like any challenge in life, yeah. you know, can you fulfill it? Can you fix it? Yeah. Can, can you, you solve, do that? you have an answer? Yeah. And yeah. the, the answer is yes, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I do. It's Jesus, but I don't always have the physical or tangible answer, but but maybe, maybe sometimes we do. Yeah, so again, exactly. I just say, be intentional mm. without expectation. Be intentional without expectation. I think if we can kind of grab hold of that in relationship, in family, in how we do life, man, I think we're going to win. I think we're going to win in this. Oh, Dig yes. in. Be a part of a community. Root yourself as part of the family. Know that you belong and be intentional without expectation and watch and see what the Lord will do. What a way to summarize our conversation today, Lord. Those are powerful truths today. Really powerful truths. And we just loved unpacking some of that with you as we all rumble through life and allow God to transform. Perfect for sure. Yeah. And so as you follow your king, hold everything lightly. Every season has blessings and every season has exchanges of giving. And so we receive, but to hold lightly everything that comes into our hands. And so may you know that the king loves you and he is with you, and that we get to do life together is a real gift. And so you are wanted, you are seen, you are needed in the body of Christ. And so if you haven't yet even stepped live into your local church, into Life Center, it might not be Life Center, you may be listening and going to a different church, we love that. Make an intentional decision to go and connect back to live community. There is something about live community, and especially now, we're moving 
we're praying show up show up and then start to get in the field and get all in so we just want to encourage you the king loves you and he's got a plan for you yeah and we hope in this conversation i know we were sort of all over the place (laughs) as we talked about this today but at the heart of it we really want you to know you belong yes we really really want you to know that you matter as a part of the family of god and connecting to community connecting to your church family is essential it's essential it's not optional it's not something that you can just pick and choose it's essential to your spiritual flourishment so root yourself you belong to a family you belong to the family of god you belong to your church family be intentional without expectation and if you're struggling in the midst of that hold fast Hold fast. Your breakthrough is coming. God is with you. We love you. And remember, you do belong. Have a great, great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today on the Awakening Moments podcast. We pray that you are filled with hope and joy as you navigate the challenges of life. And we would love for you to subscribe to this podcast or share it with your friends. And remember, you are so loved by God and He is always with you.